Yassus, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the podcast for Greece Travel Secrets. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about planning a trip to Greece. Now, whether you've been to Greece 10 times or you've never been, there's a lot of things you need to consider, not unlike going to any country really. But in this episode, obviously, I'm going to focus on the intricacies and the ins and outs and all the things that you need to know about Greece in particular. If you've been to Greece before and you happen to live in, say, Europe or London, somewhere like that, then chances are you might visit regularly. And believe me, if I was you, I'd be there every single weekend. But if, like me, you have to come from the other side of the world, there's a lot to think about. And you also really want to maximise your time there, right? You don't want to get there and think, oh God, I've come all this way, I'm trying to do too much, or I haven't thought about enough and go home disappointed. So I really don't want you to be one of those people. I want you to make the most of your time in Greece and also be thinking about your next trip before you've even gotten home. So the first thing you wanna think about really is how long do you have? Now, I see people every day in my group saying, I've got five days or I've got a week and I wanna see eight different destinations. And, you know, hey, whilst it's possible and people do it, you're probably going to end up being pretty exhausted and you won't have very much time to relax and really absorb and enjoy all of the Greek characteristics and the culture. So everyone's different. We all like to travel at different paces. Some people like to go to just a single destination and do what we call a flop and drop and other people like to run around like lunatics and pack as much in as they possibly can but look for starters i would say it's a bit ambitious to go to greece for less than a week and if you've only got say four or five days then really i would just choose that one destination and make the most of that otherwise again if you're coming from um, the other side of the world I think two weeks would be a minimum. I know a lot of people are very time poor and that might be all they get. If you can get three or four weeks or even more, then of course you're going to have an even more fascinating time and you will see many more things. So the next thing you need to think about is when are you going to go? What time of year will it be? Obviously summer in Greece and and indeed the Mediterranean is peak period. It really gets busy in July and August is absolute peak. That's when all the Europeans and the Greeks themselves go on holidays. So it's actually not a bad time to be in Athens because it's um, it's pretty empty and fairly quiet because everybody's gone to the beach and to the islands. Um, but we personally really like to go in June. Uh, we find that June is lovely because it's it's warm the water's started to warm up 
you know, you're able to swim in it quite happily. It's busy, but it's not crazy in most places. It's just starting to get a really great holiday vibe. Um, in places like, look, Santorini, Mykonos, it's going to be busy um, for much longer than that. And in fact, Santorini really now has become a year-round destination. But the other islands, again, it's really sort of May to about October that you will um, enjoy those places the most. And in fact, anything prior or after Greek Easter in April or uh, the end of October, you may well find a lot of things are closed and a lot of people have gone back to Athens or back to their hometowns on the mainland. And they only open for the for the season they call it, which is which is that summer period, or you know, and spring and autumn as well. So then you need to think about okay, you've worked out how long you have, you've worked out what time of year you're going to go, and the reason again that's so important is because it could really determine whether you go to the islands at all. If you're going in winter, then with the exception of uh, places like Santorini, as I mentioned, or places that are uh, operating with locals year round, such as Crete and Rhodes, then there isn't going to be all that much to do and see. And really, I would probably recommend the mainland in winter when um, people can really make the most of Athens. And in fact, if you go up into the north of the mainland, there's um, many ski fields. I think there's something like 25 ski resorts, which people um, don't know much about. And they are a lot more affordable than some of the other ski resorts in Europe, by the way. Okay, so you've worked out how long you've got. You've worked out when you're going. The next thing to decide is what destinations would you like to see? Now, everybody wants to see Santorini. And, you know, with good reason. It is spectacular. There's nothing like it on the planet. And if you haven't been, I do recommend that everybody go. However, you will have seen uh, the videos and the media stories about the crowds. And, um, you know, they're not exaggerating. The crowds can be pretty heavy, particularly when cruise ships are in. The cruise ships at the moment are capped to three a day or 8,000 people. But, you know, it's not a very big island and 8,000 people is still a lot of people. But if you can squeeze in a day or two, you really don't need to go there for a week or, or any longer. It's very expensive. Um, because it is so popular so you know as I said put it on your itinerary two days is really all you need and then move on to other parts of Greece and other islands that are less crowded and retain a lot more authenticity because quite frankly as beautiful as Santorini is most of it really is man-made with the exception of the caldera itself um, there was a terrible earthquake in Santorini in the 50s and everything's been rebuilt. So you're not seeing ancient sites. Um, you're really seeing modern Greece built in uh, a very attractive and very appealing way. So what other destinations should you do? It's important to get an understanding of the Greek islands themselves and the groups of islands. So Santorini and Mykonos are in the better known islands called the Cyclades. 
they are relatively close to Athens. You can get to Santorini by ferry in about four hours. And they include the islands of Paros, Naxos, Milos, Folagandros, uh, Sifnos, and there's a whole bunch of other islands as well in the Cyclades. The Cyclades are known in particular for their white sugar cube architecture, the blue domes, the blue windows and doors. That's what makes them so appealing and so distinctive for people around the world. When they think of the Greek islands, they're probably thinking of the Cyclades. Now, there are other island groups, however. Right over near Italy, on the western side of Greece, are the Ionian Islands. So they include Corfu, Kefalonia, Zakynthos and Lefkada, as well as a few others. And being very close to Italy, they have been occupied over the years by the Venetians and therefore the architecture there is very Venetian. So the buildings are brightly coloured, there's lots of yellow and orange and red, they have red roofs um, and they're also relatively green and have a lot more rainfall than the Cyclades Islands that get very little, so they're quite barren in many respects. Over near Turkey, on the other hand, on the far eastern side of Greece, you have the Dodecanese Islands. And again, because they are so close to their neighbouring, their neighbour Turkey, they've been occupied by the Ottomans, although also by the Italians and the Persians and others at times as well. So the architecture there and the food tends to have a very uh, Turkish influence and you'll come across uh, many things that remind you of, of the Ottomans. A little uh, further north of the Dodecanese are what's called the Northern Aegean Islands and they include islands such as Lesbos, uh, Hios and a couple of other islands that are similar to the Dodecanese but also different and you know it's funny when we talk about the Greek islands and how similar they are I mean of course they're similar they're, they're all in Greece everybody speaks Greek but as you go from island to island and even from village to village you will come across distinct differences particularly around dialects recipes architecture and design and, and many other things which is why it really is important to get out there and try and see a couple of islands in different groups because they really are very, very unique. There's a couple of other uh, island groups as well that you need to know about. One is called the Saronic Islands. Now these islands are the closest to Athens. They're just south of Athens. You can get to the closest one, in fact, in only about 10 minutes. That island's called Salamina. The other islands are Aegina, uh, Hydra, Poros, Spetses, and a few others. And these are quite beautiful islands. They're, they're again uh, relatively green. They are quite mountainous. They have some beautiful beaches. Several of them don't allow cars, which is interesting. So they are very quiet in many respects. 
and they also don't suffer so much um, from the wind. They're quite protected around the Saronic Gulf there. So if you're very prone to seasickness and you're a bit concerned about the ferries, or very time poor again and, and you can't rely on ferries being cancelled, then the Saronic Islands might be a great place for you. And in fact, you can do a day trip out to the Saronics from Athens really easily. There's even a little um, a boat that does a tour of three of them in one day, which includes lunch. So that's a really fun thing to do as well. The last island group is called the Sporades. These islands are north of Athens and quite close to the mainland. They include the islands of Skiathos, Skopelos, and a couple of other islands as well, but they've become very popular in the last decade because of the movie Mamma Mia, uh, which was shot largely in and around these islands and on the mainland just near them. So again, these are very green islands, quite verdant actually, and have beautiful beaches. They're not particularly busy with the exception of Skiathos, which does have an international airport. But uh, they're beautiful islands to sail around and if you have a couple of really lazy weeks to spend then the Sporades are really a great spot to do it. And last but not least we have an island all on its own, it's not part of a group, it's called Crete. Now Crete is the largest island in Greece and it's right at the very south of the country and sits along the whole bottom of Greece. In fact, it's 260 kilometers long. So it's such a large island that it's like literally visiting a country all on its own. I always say to people, really, if you don't have more than a week, then I probably wouldn't recommend going to Crete. You would only probably see one, uh, one city and maybe, you know, a few beaches. But if you've got more than a week and preferably two, uh, it's a great place to drive around and explore. And in fact, the south is probably even more authentic than the north, which is very, very uh, popular. And uh, again, it's a great spot to really unwind. It has beautiful beaches, very, very beautiful beaches on Crete. And they also have their own distinctive style of um, cuisine. Um, again, quite heavily Ottoman influenced at times, but they have a lot of uh, unique dishes and certain cheeses and certain salads and things that you will probably only find in Crete rather than other parts of Greece. So once you've got your head around the different island groups, there's also the mainland. And please, you know, don't discount the mainland. The mainland is incredible. In fact, honestly, we've explored it a fair bit in the last couple of years and we've come across parts of the mainland which I would honestly say rival the islands. I have stood on beaches that are equally as beautiful as any beach I've seen on any Greek island and there has not been a single person on that beach apart from me. So do yourself a favour, have a look at the mainland. The Peloponnese in particular is not far from Athens. It's, it's less than a two hour drive and you're in the Peloponnese. It's absolutely jam packed full of incredible things. Ancient archaeological sites, 
steeped in history, mythology, a lot of the very special myths and stories that you'll hear about Greece have all originated from the Peloponnese. You'll come across, as I said earlier, stunning beaches, shipwrecks, islands, rivers, waterfalls, mountains. There's just so much to see and do on the Peloponnese. And the other thing about it is it's quite a bit cheaper than most of the islands. So it really does um, give you great value for money. Best way to see the Peloponnese and a lot of the mainland is to hire a car and drive yourself around. And if you don't have a particularly structured itinerary, that's not a bad idea. You can generally pick up accommodation at the last minute in, you know, I'd say probably most towns and villages most times of the year. So it's a great place to explore when you're sort of a little bit more flexible and footloose and fancy free. And there's other parts of the mainland too that you may have heard about. Uh, Meteora, of course, is um, getting up towards northern Greece. It is absolutely spectacular. You will be gobsmacked. I think we all stood there on the first day that we arrived in Meteora and were completely speechless. Um, again, nothing like it on the planet. It is uh, quite incredible, these monasteries sitting up on top of these um, magnificent rock formations that are just, yeah, unique, nothing like it, and absolutely worth um, the visit. And the towns around Meteora too are really, really lovely. They're quaint, they're authentic, they've got amazing food. Because they're located in uh, the province or state of Thessaly, which is really Greece's food bowl, it's where they're growing everything. There's just this massive valley full of orchards where people are growing apricots and apples and vines. You know, they're, they're growing cattle and sheep and goats and all sorts of other things. We saw walnuts and cherries and honestly just an abundance of beautiful fresh food and you can buy it in roadside stalls, you can stop and pick up very inexpensive um, fruit and vegetables as well as honey and wine and, and lots of other great things. And we also discovered when we were there uh, last year visiting Meteora, we went a little bit further, got horribly lost several times, but we were able to uh, find a number of these historic stone bridges that are in and around Thessaly, as well as other parts of Greece. And they are just beautiful. And one in fact had a, a stunning waterfall and, you know, we had to go down a dirt road. As I said, we got lost several times. We ended up asking a shepherd. And finally, we found it. And there were two other people there. So I guess what I'm saying is you can find places on the mainland that are just magnificent. And you're the only people there. There's no crowds. And this is year round. So again, don't discount the mainland. If you can try and develop an itinerary that includes a bit of the mainland as well as some of the islands then you really have probably struck the perfect you know or ideal itinerary for visiting Greece. Okay so you've worked out how long you have, you've worked out when you're going, you've worked out which destinations you'd like to visit 
And I guess I need to reiterate, with the island groups, it's important to understand them because they don't all connect up with each other. Um, the Ionian Islands, for example, being over near Italy, you can't get a ferry from the Ionian Islands over to, say, Santorini or the Cyclades Islands. It just doesn't exist. You would have to fly back or, or catch the ferry back to the mainland and then uh, fly or catch a ferry on to the other island groups. Even in, say, the Dodecanese, it can be quite difficult to find a connection back to the Cyclades. They do exist, but there's generally only one or two a day, and in off-peak season, there might only be one or two a week. So you do, you do need to think about that quite carefully. Some islands, of course, have airports. Some are international airports. But a lot of islands do not have an airport. And thank God, because when those international airports are built, that's generally when the crowds, of course, arrive. So you need to think about your ferry connections. We use and endorse a website called Ferry Hopper. And they're terrific because the platform's very easy to use. And what I particularly love about it is that you can see alternate routes that aren't direct. So for example, you might want to catch the ferry from Rhodes to Santorini, and it will tell you that there isn't a direct route on that particular day. However, it may say you could catch a ferry from Rhodes to say, uh, Astipalia and then wait two hours and get a different ferry onto say Eos which then connects onto Santorini so it might be a roundabout way of doing it but often with a little bit of creativity it can be done so I guess they're the main things you need to think about and consider before you sit down and really start booking things once you've got that general itinerary mapped out I usually then start looking at, firstly, of course, my international flight. That determines my arrival date and my departure date. And then I start building the, the domestic um, content from there. Usually I book the most important destinations first. So, for example, this year for us, we are going to Rhodes. We're also going to Simi, a neighbouring island. And then we're going to an island called Ayistri. So Ayistri and Simi are relatively small and they don't have a lot of accommodation. So it was important to me to firm them up first. Whereas Athens, for example, has a plethora of accommodation. So I, I generally leave that to last and wait until I've worked out how the ferry routes are looking or flights. Um, before I determine when I'm going to be in Athens. It's also worth considering the ports in Athens. There are in fact three. Most ferries go into the port of Piraeus, which is just uh, in the southern part of Athens. However, there are two others. One's called Lavrio and the other is called Rafina. Now, those two generally only service the inner western Cyclade islands. However, often from those islands, you can connect with other Cycladic islands. So 
they're worth thinking about. They're both um, nice little fishing villages, worth spending a night. Even Piraeus is not as bad as many people say. Can be worth spending a night in those port towns if means not running around like a lunatic trying to connect up with another ferry particularly if your your ferry is coming in or your flight is coming in late at night or very early in the morning so think about those things um, and then start looking at your accommodation at your tours uh, at whether you're going to be renting a car and all of those other things that um, that go into trip planning. Don't forget on the website there is a complete planning guide. You'll find it when you just go to greasetravelsecrets.com. Right at the top on the menu bar you will see a tab called planning and in there you will find information about itineraries and uh, destinations as well as a link to the planning guide. The planning guide goes on to explore a lot of other things that you might need to think about such as visas, money, how to get around, there's links to articles about driving in Greece, there's links to itineraries, there's links to accommodation, lots of other information in there and of course if that's uh, still not what you're after, if you have any other questions at all, please come into our Facebook community. It's called Greece Travel Secrets Plan Your Trip to Greece. There's lots of great people in there that are happy to answer your questions. Lots of great advice from locals as well as travellers that have been there and done all that. So that's it for today's episode on planning. I hope you found this information useful and I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time.